The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Very warm welcome everybody. This is Squawkbox. Good to have you with us this Monday morning. China tries to get back to work as a number of major factories reopen for business. Others, including Apple and Alibaba, choose to extend their closures. Meanwhile, the number of cases of coronavirus, coronavirus increased, Sunday marking the worst day in the outbreak so far, as 97 more fatalities takes the death toll to over 900 people, with 40,000 infections worldwide. 15,000 jobs are on the line at Daimler as the luxury car company reportedly looks to cut more costs and a move that could save the group 1.4 billion euros by 2022. History in the making, South Korean film Parasite becomes the first ever foreign language film to win Best Picture at the Oscars, while War Epic 1917 is the other big winner. And Ireland's Nationalist Party Sinn Féin could enter government for the first time as its leader touts a revolution at the ballot box in the country's general election. The latest on the coronavirus and China's National Health Commission has confirmed that another 97 people have died in the country's mainland due to the coronavirus. This brings the global death toll to 910, topping the 2003 SARS outbreak, which killed a total of 774 people across the world. A US citizen and Japanese national have now both been reported as dead as a result of the infectious disease. They are the first foreign nationals to have died from the virus. Meantime, China's factories are struggling to reopen today as at least 24 provinces and cities are scheduled to return to work after the emergency extended Lunar New Year shutdown. Foxconn, China's largest employer and a key Apple contractor, has reportedly been given the green light to reopen its plant in Zhangzhou, although other factories remain closed. And while manufacturing slowly returns, many white-collar workers will stay at home, including Alibaba, and 10 cent employees. But other major corporates are returning to normal operations, including auto manufacturers BYD and Tesla, along with hardware giant ZTE. China's ambassador to the UK told the BBC's Andrew Ma the economic impact would be short term. At this moment, it's very difficult to predict when we are going to have an inflection point. We certainly hope it will come sooner. Uh, but the Isolation quarantine measure has been very effective. So far, the most uh, uh, cases are concentrated in Hubei uh, and Wuhan. You know, Hubei yeah. is about the size of England plus Scotland. And the population is about England plus Wales. There's an impact uh, on the economy. But I think uh, the impact is temporary and short term. And the governments now work very hard um, to encourage people um, to restore production. China's government has pledged $10 billion to fight the coronavirus. The country's finance ministry announced it will deploy funds to ensure that all members of the public have affordable access to diagnosis and treatment. 
Well, let's get out to Emily for more. She joins us on the Chinese market reaction. Emily, we saw a very strong trade on mainly the global markets last week on Wall Street, European markets, although fading into the Friday close. What has that meant as uh, we weigh up the stock market action and the reopening in China today of some factories? It's been a little bit mixed, Karen. Now, we are seeing some strength in the Chinese markets in the afternoon session uh, after we've returned to trade for about one hour. But the morning session was uh, uh, decidedly negative. Uh, we are seeing uh, some strength in the Shenzhen Composite, uh, which is currently trading up almost 1%, 1751. Uh, but the Hong Kong markets are still in negative territory, traded off about 160 points. Uh, looking at the factory reopens as the Lunar New Year break was pushed out by 10 days because of the coronavirus virus outbreak. The intention was uh, for many companies to resume work today. Uh, And they did try to do that. China's cabinet saying that workers in key industries must be helped to return to work as soon as possible in order to resume the production of vital food and medical supplies. Railways, airlines and other public transport to take coordinated approach and minimize the risk of transmitting disease. It also said workers should return in batches and not all at once in order to reduce infection risk. Uh, one of the main companies we have been keeping watch is Han High Precision, also known as Foxconn, uh, one of the biggest employers in China with about a million factory workers. Now, we do know that they have three factories and not all of them are open, uh, but the intention was to get them all back online as soon as possible. Uh, They said that they have received approval to resume production at a plant in the northeastern Chinese city of Zhengzhou uh, that was to shutter due to the coronavirus outbreak earlier. About 16,000 of their staff there or under 10% of their workforce in Zhengzhou had returned to the plant and they're trying very hard uh, to negotiate with authorities to resume production in other parts of China. Uh, as we know, they do have uh, they do have plants in Shenzhen, that being their biggest, uh, with almost 1 million workers there, and Kunshan as well. And those two, according to reports, remain closed. Uh, Hanhai on their part saying it will follow rules of every local government when setting a schedule for reopening their plants and that they could not restart work until the complex has been evaluated as well as approved by the local government. Uh, as we all know, this is the world's largest contract manufacturer of electronics with big, uh, big clients like Apple, Amazon, Google, HP, Dell and Huawei, just to name a few. So uh, getting things back online and back into production would be important not only for the company, but for all of its clients as well. Also coming out from China today, we did get some key economic data in the form of CPI and PPI. Uh, That's a blowing past forecasts for the month of January, a high we have not seen since October of 2011, up 5.4% on the consumer front. Producer level PPI up 0.1%. Back to you guys. Emily, um, thanks very much for that. I I just wanted to pick up on some of the developments we had on the science around coronavirus uh, over the weekend with these reports from the Chinese authorities that this uh, infection uh, is actually aerosol in nature as well and can be carried uh, some distance um, on the wind, if you like. Um, What impact has that had on the way now authorities in Hong Kong and China are thinking about quarantining? Well, as far as the quarantine is concerned, Jeff, we know in Hong Kong, uh, they have imposed a quarantine for 14 days from anybody uh, that comes through from the mainland, regardless of your passport. So if you're a Hong Kong resident 
or if you're from the mainland, uh, regardless, you will be quarantined for 14 days. Uh, if you breach that, you are uh, facing risking uh, six months in jail and a fine of 25,000 Hong Kong dollars. Uh, so that's about 5,000 US. Uh, so, so far, there's about a couple hundred people currently under quarantine at home or in their hotel, uh, and they are checked upon by the local officials. They are regularly checking for their temperatures and staying in close touch with all those people that have come in. Now, this is all part of the government's measures to try and control the outbreak that uh, has now sprung up. In Hong Kong, we've got uh, about 29 cases. And what, what, that is, what that means and what we've seen here is a kind of like a community spread. Uh, in the most recent tally that was just made up yesterday, we have 10 new cases and nine of those were all within one family unit. Uh, they were found to have gone out to have hot pot together. And uh, that is now being uh, uh, discouraged by the government saying that we should have social distancing. Uh, fewer of these public gatherings are uh, wearing masks when it's necessary uh, in crowded places and of course a hand hygiene as well. As far as uh, spreading by aerosol, we haven't uh, been given any directives here in Hong Kong, uh, but in terms of the, the droplets, we are being reminded not to touch your face, not to touch your, your mouth, uh, always to wash your hands. And then if you need to, to uh, sneeze or cough into the corner of your elbow as, as opposed to your hand so that you, it doesn't rub into your face. Uh, also to wear a mask when necessary and then to dispose of any uh, tissues or papers into the receptacle bins when it's possible. Uh, so everybody's being advised to be vigilant about this. And uh, just as we continue to watch and uh, watch the numbers uh, continue to be tallied, uh, just an update on the cruise ship that was uh, parked outside uh, just across the harbor uh, run by Genting, uh, the Dream Liner. And uh, that was uh, 3,600 people that were under quarantine, locked down on the ship for four days, but finally released just yesterday after the 1,800 crew members were not to found to have symptoms or with the coronavirus. Uh, so that, of course, being good news for everybody, and they were all released off the ship. Uh, so we should get another update from the Hong Kong government in about two and a half hours from now. Uh, typically, they come out about 4.30 p.m. with the latest update on the latest coronavirus uh, numbers. Back to you guys. Emily, thank you very much indeed for that. And obviously, uh, as we get any more information from the Hong Kong government, we will pass it on to our audience. Um, Amazon has reportedly pulled out of this year's Mobile World Congress, citing the coronavirus outbreak. The U.S. tech company has joined the likes of NVIDIA, Ericsson and LG in withdrawing from the technology conference. Samsung, ZTE and Huawei have all scaled down their appearances at the event in Barcelona due to the outbreak. Soon, Karen, it won't be worth you going at this well, rate. At this point, still scheduled, Jeff, but let's see what happens with that. Uh, meantime, let me take you to some of the market action. What we've got to Reading for the Friday session, in contrast to all the green that you saw across the earlier part of the week, in some ways investors painting themselves into a corner, questioning whether there can be more upward momentum at this point. Lots of unanswered questions still around coronavirus, as you can see from our initial coverage. Many economists think that there will be this V-shaped recovery, very quick bounce back. But uh, still, there's no certainty around those developments. So the market taking on board the U.S. non-farm payrolls numbers Friday, despite the fact there was strong uh, 225,000 jobs created for the month, better than expected. Uh, the unemployment rate at 3.6%. Participation rate, though, going up 0.2% in general, 3.1% average hourly earnings over the course of the past year. 
all this very strong numbers, but Wall Street taking this as a negative. And you can see some of the momentum over the course of this week simply fading, not able to return with more green on the boards to close out the week. In terms of what you saw, the Apple trade, the most negative impact, the S&P and NASDAQ, when it came to the Dow, Boeing having a fairly significant weight to the downside for that particular index. I want to take you to the Treasuries because in contrast to a very strong performance of our equity markets over the course of the week, I mean, the NASDAQ, the best trading week since November 2018, you've not seen a recovery take place on some of these trades, particularly on the 10-year yield where we're, we've marched to much, to much lower ranges, 1.58 level. We are still witnessing the two-year this point 1.40 so we do have a little bit of a spread still not an inverted yield curve which is of a positive news on that two and that 10 at this point the opening calls uh, let's take a quick look at what we're witnessing at this point for europe and you can see last week very strong trade to friday again in contrast to the rest of the trading week very much like the action on wall street but the gains very very strong for the dax Four percent higher over the course of the week for the German stock market, which is just incredible when you think about the amount of new cases coming through on coronavirus that the German stock market managed to secure four percent gain. Very, very solid recovery. The other markets, the FTSE was up about two point five percent. So also decent performance from the UK stock market. Thanks very much, Karen. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about Huawei. Several senior conservative lawmakers have raised concerns over Huawei's involvement in developing the UK's 5G infrastructure. The Tory party members are calling on the government to exclude any, quote, high-risk vendors in what could mark the first rebellion by MPs against Prime Minister Boris Johnson. The UK government last month decided to allow the Chinese tech company to build up non-critical parts of the country's 5G network. This despite concerns from ministers and allies. Beijing now also urging France not to discriminate against Huawei, following reports the Chinese tech giant could face restrictions on several French cities. Uh, The Chinese embassy in Paris says it had been assured Huawei would be treated just like other vendors. Well, speaking on the BBC's Andrew Marr show on Sunday, China's ambassador to the UK said Huawei had become the target of a witch hunt simply for being a Chinese company. I think uh, they are, uh, uh, what they're doing is a kind of a witch uh, hunt. Uh, number one, Huawei is a private-owned company, nothing mm. to do with the Chinese government. Uh, the, the only problem they have is they are a Chinese company. And uh, 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 that's the problem. I will leave uh, Prime Minister uh, to uh, deal with uh, President Trump. Uh, I think uh, uh, I always say uh, UK, Britain can only be great when it has its own independent foreign policy. The uh, UK ambassador, or rather the Chinese ambassador to the UK. Meanwhile, US Vice President Mike Pence told CNBC on Friday the UK's decision to go with Huawei could have a bearing on a future trade deal between Britain and America. The United States is very disappointed uh, that the United Kingdom has decided to go forward uh, with Huawei for a portion of their information technology. The president was apoplectic with fury. Is is, is the gist of that accurate? Well, I I never never comment on the president's private conversations with me or or others, but uh, we're profoundly disappointed because, look, when I went at the president's direction in September, I met with uh, Prime Minister Johnson. I told him the moment the U.K. is out of Brexit, we were willing to, to begin to negotiate a, a free trade 
arrangement mm -hmm. with the UK. And now the UK is out of Brexit. Our teams have begun that process to work. But we just don't believe that, uh, that utilizing the assets, the technology of Huawei is consistent with the security or privacy interests of the UK, of the United States, and, and it, it remains a real issue between our two countries. Is it a deal breaker on a trade deal? Well, we'll see. We'll see if it is. Mike Pence talking to Wilfred there. Well, this um, story continues to uh, generate threat and counter threat. And it's not only, obviously, about what's going on with the UK and whether it gets this trade deal, but remarkably now Nokia and Ericsson being drawn into the story yet again by this uh, unusual statement um, in France put out by the Chinese uh, suggesting that perhaps they will be affected if there is any attempt by the French government to block Huawei from accessing its 5G infrastructure. It have to be. I mean, if you think about the, the backdrop, if you start to politicise the European names by putting government ownerships, US government ownerships into these companies, you've got to flip the story around and say, well, what Asian companies, what Asian countries are going to be willing to do business with Ericsson and Nokia? So it goes both ways. If you're going to stop Huawei from having access to key Western markets, you're then putting the US government on the share register of these two major European companies, you'd have to say, well, surely the access will be contained or restricted to some of those Asian companies or countries. It has to be the outcome. So if you are sitting in the, the C-suite for these two companies, you've got to step back and say, do we want that US government involvement? Would that be welcome for us at this point? Do we want to politicize our contracts? And I think you know, so far, it's been a, a tricky road for them to navigate around the Chinese market already. There has been, you know, some concerns around the ordering for these two particular names, and they've tried to pick up business elsewhere. But it has been very stop-start. It's not been an easy win on the on the back of Huawei being shut out of markets. You think it would be, but it hasn't actually been easy going for either of those companies. Yeah, I think the the issue of whether the U.S. government <laughs> takes a stake at this point or not. I mean, let, let's just put that aside because it's a it's a very strange gambit. And um, I'm not sure, as you point out, that either of those companies would welcome any U.S. government investment in their businesses. But it's extraordinary, it seems to me, that in lashing out as it's doing, the Chinese government is choosing to target these companies through this statement that it's put on the embassy website in Paris. This is about the security issue surrounding Huawei technology specifically. Why doesn't the Chinese government address that again and try to demonstrate to the parties that are concerned that there is really no problem here? It, ju it just seems to me that targeting two companies that are not directly involved in preventing you gaining access to national mm. networks just sounds rather random and, and, to be honest, a little bit desperate. So the Chinese have a point and that it is about the fact that they are Chinese, that you are facing this issue. Because if you consider where most of the discussions have been, there is a fear that maybe the sum of the code was not that good. And that was because it was a, you know, a company that's grown very, very swiftly. And perhaps there are ways for access to be you know, available into this network because it wasn't as good as it should be. And that's been addressed by some of the regulators. That was one of the key concerns from the UK. So at which point then you say, well, if it's not deliberate, then why is Huawei being shut out of networks? It's because there's an assessment made. Do you want to do business with a Chinese company? If you think that the Chinese government has access through this company, and some believe that is the case, that it can simply embed some software into a network, that is absolutely possible for Huawei to do that. 
then you make a decision. Who do you want to be a partner with? Do you want to be a partner with the Chinese? Do you want to be a partner with an American government? And I think we all feel very differently about that. Clearly, I'm half Chinese. I have no problem with it. Well, um, well, what is it about the autocratic uh, single-party state that concerns people, I wonder? Uh, we can come back to the conversation. Your thoughts always welcome through the usual channels. Still to come on the programme, we are live in Dublin as Sinn Féin surges in the Irish election count, upending almost 100 years of centre-right politics. And if you can't get enough from Squawkbox, be sure to tune in to our very own podcast. Head to cnbc.com, Apple's podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and have a listen and download today's episode. If you enjoy Squawkbox Europe, check out the Brave Ones podcast. The series explores the rise of some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. Through exclusive interviews with family, friends and colleagues, The Brave Ones podcast features stories of determination, resilience and ingenuity. Available on Apple Podcast, Spotify and Google Play. The Brave Ones podcast presented by Credit Suisse. Storm Kira has wreaked havoc in parts of the UK, Britain and northern continental Europe, faced hundreds of cancelled flights and several serious flood warnings on Sunday after the storm battered the region with winds reaching over 90 miles per hour. Energy companies in the UK said over 675,000 homes lost power over the weekend. Nationalist party Sinn Féin looks set to be part of an Irish government for the first time, having won the highest percentage of first preference votes in the general election. Sinn Féin leader Mary Lou Macdonald has described the vote as a, quote, revolution in the ballot box. However, the exact makeup of the next Irish government is unclear, with 82 seats yet to be declared. Fina Foyle had ruled out a coalition with Sinn Féin prior to the election, but speaking after the vote, leader Michael Martin stopped short of rejecting the prospect. We will listen to people, we've listened to the people, they have, they have voted for, in, in the main, you know, the, 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 the three main parties, but the other parties like the Greens doing well as well, uh, and independence. So the point I would make there is I think we're looking at a far more fragmented political landscape uh, historically, and I think that's embedded into our situation. Well, Willem joins us live now from Dublin. Um, Willem, it's going to take a, a few more days yet for all the votes to be counted in Ireland. Uh, but what we clearly have here is a major upset for the two main centre-right parties. That's right, Jeff. And we saw this in some of the polling over the last couple of weeks ahead of the vote on Saturday, that Sinn Féin were suddenly projected to do much better than they had at any time in recent history. Of the votes counted so far, they are in the lead. But if you look at the actual projections from the roughly third of the constituencies that have now completed their count, you're looking at three of these parties all above 20%. And of course, finding a majority in the lower house of parliament here in Dublin will become very, very complex indeed. Mary Lou Macdonald, the leader of Sinn Féin in the Republic, had this to say about her preferred path forward. Our first preference is to form a new government without Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael. Um, that will, of course, be very much dependent on, on the numbers. Uh, I've already made uh, contact with the Greens, with the Social Democrats, with, with others. So that's, that's the first option that I want us to explore. And so what we saw in some of the conversations we had last night with political scientists in particular, they pointed to the success of Sinn Féin 
and essentially said it was down to their ability to connect with voters on highly domestic issues. They're, of course, the party known for their insistence on the reunification of the Republic of Ireland with Northern Ireland. But it was their conversations with voters around housing, around commuting costs, around childcare, around the healthcare system that seems to have given them such a massive boost. One thing they pointed out as well to us, that they didn't actually run a full slate of candidates, roughly around half as many as they might have been able to. And if they had run more, they might have ended up with even more seats in the Eructus, the parliament here. So going forward over the next couple of days, as you say, Jeff, we'll get a clearer idea of the final count once the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth preferences are totted up. And at that point, it will be incumbent on the largest party and the leader of that party to try and find a majority however they see fit. Leo Varadkar, the leader of Fine Gael, and of course the incumbent prime minister saying that his party was not compatible with Sinn Féin. So that narrows down the options very slightly. Willem, do you just want to spend some time talking about Sinn Féin? Because when we talk about protest parties, this is quite a protest party with the history. That's absolutely right. Of course, they've over the last few decades been very, very insistent about the role of Ireland and Northern Ireland in the future of Europe. This is a party that north of the border participates in a power sharing agreement with those that would rather stay part of the United Kingdom. South of the border, they've not always had quite such a significant presence. The people we spoke to last night saying that this is really a new era for Irish politics because this third party has surged so successfully and really changed what has been a two-party system for the last 70 or 80 years. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.